Welcome to Marriage and Money, a conversational podcast about personal financial topics aimed at improving conversations about money in your marriage so you can reach your dreams together. This is a weekly discussion brought to you by a seemingly financially incompatible couple bonded by the legal contract of marriage. My name is David, your favorite saver, and I'm joined by the spender who's stuck with me through plenty of miscommunications and arguments, Heather. That's right. Thick and thin, rich or poor, U.S. or Singapore. (laughs) You've always been there. I can't get rid of you. (laughs) Thank goodness for that. Well, we have a wonderful show planned for you today. Today, we're going to be talking about the benefits of counseling, primarily pre-marriage and marriage counseling as it relates to money. So I think this is uh, an important topic, mainly because it's something that's benefited us and, and helped us a lot, specifically early in our marriage. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about arguments and communication and how money is such a contentious topic and a big reason for couples to fight about and even divorce. And so, you know, sometimes you just need that independent third-party person to speak into issues that's coming without emotion, has a non-biased viewpoint, and there's just a lot of benefit that can come from it. I, I feel like counseling sometimes has a bad stigma. I think it's getting Oh, it for better. sure does. But um, I don't get that because it's something that is going to really help you. Why would it have such? Well, and I think you made a good point is that it has less of a stigma now than it than it did years ago. So even when we we did pre-marriage counseling in was it 2006, 2007. And even then it was kind of strange. We were kind of strange doing pre-marriage counseling then. Yeah. Um, But yeah. And and we. yeah, I think it's really helpful. I mean, if, you, if you've if you never been married before, like we hadn't been, um, you know, it's like, why not learn from people that have been married and kind of know what to look for or just like anything. And same thing with finances. If you don't know what to do with your finances and you're in kind of a mess and you need some help, why wouldn't you seek that help? Yeah, well, and we, yeah, exactly. We took the approach of we're new at this, so let's learn from people that know what they're doing and maybe have made some of those mistakes that we could learn from. And wow, I don't know. It, I thought it was a fantastic experience. So Heather, we, we did premarital counseling um, quite a, well, maybe not quite a bit, We before we got engaged. That's right. So qu- a fair amount before we got out. married. You were like, is, you know, is like taking me out for the test drive, right? It's oh, like, yeah. Yeah. And do you remember whose, whose idea was it to do this? I'm pretty sure it was yours. Oh, was it? <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure. You needed some. Uh, I you're was, very analytical. You were I, a five I am on the You wanted to get all the facts as much as you could. And, and it was helpful to do that. So, yeah. So we. We signed up for pre-marriage counseling before there was any proposal. We were obviously talking about marriage and. I wanted to make sure that we were on the same page about everything. And it was actually, it was um, my my dad that strongly recommended it and said, hey, this is something that uh, was beneficial for me and I think you would benefit from it as well. And like, yeah, let's let's do it. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I remember at the time I thought it was a little weird that we were doing it before we were engaged. But honestly, looking back, it's like, that's like the perfect time to do it because once you're busy planning a wedding and that ship has sailed, like you're too busy doing all that stuff to really focus on the you as a couple. And to your point, helping make a decision, is this really someone I want to spend the rest of my life with? And so 
I mean, it's just once you once you're engaged, like you are busy planning well, that well, wedding. And once you're engaged, it feels like, or at least it felt like to me, the train had kind of left the station. Yes, you can break off an engagement, but it's harder to break off an engagement than to just break off a relationship and be like, hey, this isn't going to work. Let's step away now. Right. Because by the time you're engaged, now all your friends know, your family knows, and now it's a whole thing, and it's drama. And so if you can get all that, all, all the potential deal breakers on the table beforehand, you want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> to me, I just thought it was fun, like an opportunity to spend time and, and get to know you better. But I was a little <laughs> surprised, surprised that you were willing to do it because it was not cheap. Um, it, I mean, so I was a little surprised that you were willing to. Spend I don't, yeah, the money. I don't remember how much it cost. I don't but either, it was, but it was hundreds of. It was, it was hundreds not, of dollars. It was not less than a hundred bucks. So. Right, right. It was at least a couple hundred per person. I thought. Yeah. Or it was maybe maybe it was like three hundred a couple. I don't remember exactly, but again, this was two thousand seven. This was a while right. ago too. So, yeah. But if you're planning on spending the rest of your life with somebody. Uh, a, a few hundred dollar investment seems like you were willing to do that. I was willing to do that. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm going to go all in with you, what, what's a couple hundred bucks to make sure it's the right call. <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah. So when we went through it, we, we, we went through and I think we had like, I want to say it was like a 12 week course. Yeah. Um, we still have the materials. Um, unfortunately, they're back at in in the states right now, so I can't pull them out. But I think it was like a twelve week course that we went through. We went once a week. Um, we talked about different topics each week, and then we had homework and the individual homework, and then we had Talk um, about topics to discuss together, and and even worksheets that we'd bring together and fill out together. And then we'd come back to the large group, and the large group was more of a seminar style, but but they had people there in order to to take us through each of these topics and guest speakers, and it was amazing. It it truly, I don't know. I, I still, all these years <laughs> later, I'm still blown away by how good of a program they had. And then the other cool thing was that at the end of it, we did a we did a, a marriage compatibility test. And I don't know how much of this marriage compatibility test you remember. I don't remember that much of the questions, but it was questions. It was a lot of questions. It took me a while to get through it. It was a lot of questions. And one of the interesting things that, that came back from that, that questionnaire when we got the results back was that Heather and I were com- super compatible, like unusually, unusually compatible in everything except for finances, in which we were about as far apart on this test as you could <laughs> possibly get. And uh, they, they were t- telling us, the people that were reviewing this, the results with us told us, yeah, we've never seen anybody this compatible, but then this different on finances, like not even in the same universe. At least we knew the area we needed to focus on. That's a good point. It's like, boom, here's where we should focus. Which is exactly why I'm so glad we did this, and because I knew I knew we were we had differences in, when we were dating, um, but it was helpful to understand what this helped me understand is where are those differences in finances specifically? Why are they there? What are some of those drivers? Kind of the things we've talked about in earlier episodes, um, but what are the drivers behind that and how does she think about finances versus how do I think about it and why it 
it was incredibly beneficial for me to that extent. Agreed. Agreed. So there's a lot of topics. If you do go through something like that, that, that you'll cover, which I think is really helpful. And, um, you know, some of them, uh, they, they just range, they range from basic things to complex. And a lot of these we've talked about, um, you know, some of it is just really just getting a foundation, like talking about where are you at today? Like, just lay it out there. Do you have a lot of debt? Do you have you had a bankruptcy? Like asking just some of those questions that you'd be like, well, pfft, why would I ask that? It just seems so basic. But if you've never talked about it, you may get surprised. And so I think that was just really interesting, you know, just starting at a base point to say, lay out your situation, your story. What is your financial situation? And surprisingly, I think some people don't ever talk about that. No, and and the, it, this presented the perfect opportunity to get that stuff out there and and to get it out there without it having that additional baggage of why haven't you told me this up until now? Well, it never came up. Well, now it's coming up. Now you can have that conversation. Now you can do it without any repercussions or nobody's going to get mad because you're just telling saying it now because it never had a reason to come up until now. But it's important stuff to get out there. So that was helpful. I, I also liked how we it, it gave us an opportunity to be very open about our current financial situations as a result, such as what is our current in individual incomes? How do we currently, what, what do we currently spend? Um, they didn't really walk us through a budgeting process, like an explicit budgeting process, but they did, they did line out how much do you spend on X, Y, and Z in a month? They, they weren't necessarily in this encouraging everyone to do a monthly budget, but they were laying out what what do you typically do? Where does your money typically go? And it, I think getting those baselines is helpful as well when you're coming together. Yeah. As well as the baselines, for me, a biggest thing was talking about expectations. That It really kind of shone some lights on expectations that I didn't even know that I had that were just like, you know, I just had. I didn't realize it until we started talking about it. And I was like, oh, wait. That's an expectation that I just assumed everybody did. And it was like, no, 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 I'm not going to do that. I mean, the one that comes to mind is, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, and this doesn't really have to do with finances, but kind of. Like, I thought that David would take care of the cars. Like, my dad did that. Like, I thought he would go take it for the oil changes and the maintenance and, you know, manage kind of the financial as well piece of taking care of the automobiles and kind of keeping them up to date. And it was like, no, you take care of your car. I got my car. And so it was like, I didn't even realize it was an expectation until it kind of came out. And it was like, oh, wow, we are not aligned on that. <laughs> and so, I mean, that was just one example of something where it was like, you know, understanding you had a bias or this is what I thought was going to life was going to look like. Right. Yeah. And, and it was similar when I was growing up, my dad took care of all the cars and did all that stuff. But then at the same time, then my mom was helpless when something went wrong and dad wasn't around to do it. So it's like, no, I think we all need to understand how to take care of the car. So I think it was coming at it with these different values and we both had good reasons for why it was the, why we had the views we had, but getting on the same page of understanding where those expectations are coming from and what's driving them, I think is, uh, was really valuable. And, and those expectations spill over to, yeah, how, how you're managing finances. It's, it's it's how are we do we expect both of us to work do we expect both of us to be working full time do we 
have expectations on on where we think we're going to be retiring or living or what our lifestyle is or how much we're going to spend on things like all of these things we probably have these expectations and ideas in our head without even communicating it and it was a great opportunity to lay it out out on the table yeah and related to that is also kind of division of responsibilities and i think we had a podcast episode on that too so not only the expectation but then kind of deciding and that could be with financials like is one person going to take the lead and manage the finances or are you both? Is someone going to do the budget and someone do the investment or how, how are you going to divide um, taking care of your financial house? Right. And having that conversation. So not only the expectation, but then how are you going to divide and conquer, you know, some of the things that you have to responsibilities in your marriage? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, one, one other topic that, uh, that we discussed in the class that, and the the premarital counseling sessions were setting appropriate boundaries with with family, and so they talked about setting appropriate boundaries with family as it related to uh, time and um, maybe distance. How close should we live to family, and all all these all these different things. But certainly, a big part of it is also money. Like, what do you do if if you have parents or you have siblings or you have whoever that that is asking for money. What's the appropriate way to do this? What are our expectations as a couple? And do we have current commitments to, to family right now? What do those boundaries look like for you individually currently? Um, all of those discussions were really helpful in understanding not only how Heather saw money, but also how she related to her friends and family with money as well. And that one I thought was really interesting because they um, allowed us to invite our parents if they wanted to come to that session. So what, so our parents were hearing this message around boundaries. Yes. And um, so it wasn't coming from you and me telling them like, hey, here it is. It was like there was a speaker, you know, who came in and was like, here's what we recommend and family blood should speak to blood. And, and both of us, you know, my mom and her husband and your dad and his wife came right. and I thought that was really cool too, so that we were all kind of hearing the same message. It, it was cool, and like you said, I think it was a lot more impactful because it was this um, uninterested third party that, that didn't have any skin in the game for us was able to to share that message and get us all on the same page to say yes, this is a, a great approach. This is the healthiest approach to do this, and uh, it we can make this work for us. I, I thought it, yeah, so fantastic. Um, and yeah, I mean, there were, there were plenty of other non-financial topics as well that were covered, which, uh, you know, I, I think are all certainly good to discuss before getting married there. Um, but that, that's why this thing took 12 weeks. Um, right. Right. <laughs> we're, probably, we're not going to go finance. into all of that here, yeah, uh, yeah. being a financial podcast, but there's a lot of other great reasons to do, premarital counseling, pre-marriage sessions like this, um, other than just from a financial standpoint. 100%. So we learned, I feel, feel like, like David said, obviously we were big fans. We thought it was really beneficial. And I, I feel like we learned a lot. Um, I think for me, it was like, it was just going into the marriage with your eyes open and fewer surprises. I mean, there's still going to be things that you're going to discover that you don't realize until you're living together and in that marriage. I'm not saying that, but it did, you know, shed light on some things sooner, I think, than 
um, just kind of stumbling into it when we got married. So to me, it was just really helpful, again, just to get, just open up and talk about these things and kind of get it on the table to know a little bit more about you and what maybe our life was going to look like. Right, because they, you know, a lot of times newly married couples, they that first year can be really hard having to make all these adjustments because they're learning, they're fleshing out those expectations that were those unspoken expectations are now coming to a head. And that first year can be really hard if you haven't had those conversations up front um, and been forced to have them. And I think I think one of the things that I've that that I learned from this was and one of the objectives going into pre-marriage counseling for for me was understanding is this something that that we can make work and do we want to make it work and this was the right time to ask those questions because at that point we didn't have we, I mean we were dating but we didn't have any hard commitment you hadn't bought other. the ring you hadn't booked I, over the cash yet for that big old I had partially <laughs> through the marriage counseling, though. You didn't know it. No, but, but not at the beginning. Right. But, but a few weeks, it wasn't far in, and I had put <laughs> the money down. That ring took a long time to come to get in after I ordered it, but there was money down before we finished that. And I think for me also, like, you don't have to have it all figured out. Um, you're not going to have everything worked out before you get married. There's, Like I said, there's going to be things. But it does... To me, it sheds the light on here's the areas where you might have some conflict. Like for us, like, oh, looks like money and finances is kind of an area you're not always eye to eye on. And so it helped just going in knowing like this is, which we kind of knew from dating anyway, but it, it just kind of sheds some light. And, and, and it's not like, again, you don't have to have it all figured out. You're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to go in perfect, but at least you're a little bit maybe more prepared. Right. There probably won't be too many huge surprises, but it might be something that gives you a new perspective on those things you already know about. Like you said, you already knew money was was going to be a, a sore spot for us, but I think the surprises were, were the, like we were talking about, those expectations around maybe how that money would work or where um, where those differences came from were the kind of the revelations, I think, that we had. Yeah. And I think the the biggest benefit for this, at least if you're in Minnesota, was you get a discount on your marriage license. So that was a really uh, <laughs> that's the real that a reason. Big reason for David. It was that's like, are you kidding it. me? We need to get this <laughs> discount. Let's maximize that. And and funny enough, that that discount probably meant more to me at the time than it really should have. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't know. At the time, it was probably like fifty bucks or something, and. But I was pretty excited that we were getting a fifty dollar discount, and uh, yeah, looking back on it, it's like okay, fifty bucks. And, you know, I was saying earlier, a couple few hundred dollars in the the scope of a lifetime commitment is nothing. Fifty bucks in the scope of a lifetime commitment savings is also nothing. But I feel a lot better about saving money than I do spending money. So I felt I'm not sure if I was really saving, but I yeah, getting getting a discount is nice. It always feels good. <laughs> so obviously, we're big fans of pre-marriage counseling, but also it is beneficial after you're married. There may be a reason or a time where you need to go back to counseling um, and that's okay. And that's really great. I mean, sometimes you're still working through an issue and you need to bring in that third party and, and you guys, especially if it's a conflict in your marriage, it's like, if you can't get to a resolution, sometimes you just need that third party person to weigh in. 
Yeah, or maybe you the, the topics that we talked about, maybe you you've talked about them in your marriage, but you haven't gone to the level of detail or the depth that you really feel like you should have. And this is a great way to get get tools and to have an excuse to talk through these these topics even if it's been a few years since you've been married. Maybe it's been a decade or two <laughs> since you've been married. That doesn't mean that you you couldn't get something out of this. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, if you if you are having a major financial issue, the, there's probably a reason you got into the mess. You probably don't know what you're doing or you've messed up and you, you're kind of lost. And so why not ask for help from someone who's more knowledgeable, who knows how to get you out of that situation you know, it's just like when your car breaks down, you don't not, you know, you take it to a mechanic. When you're sick, you go to a doctor. So if you're having financial problems and clearly you got into a mess, then go to someone who can help you work through it. Uh, that sounds like sound advice to me. <laughs> <laughs> and also, like, you know, sometimes we just don't have ideas on how to to work through these things. You know, sometimes you keep having the same arguments over and over and it's like, we're not getting anywhere. And so sometimes you just need someone to speak into like, here's a, how about talking about it this way? Or have you thought about it this way to help get you through that challenging conversation? If it's not necessarily you're in a financial mess, but maybe you're just like constantly arguing about something and you can't get to see eye to eye. Right. You don't know how to start having a, a healthy conversation about, about that topic, or it maybe healthy is the wrong word. Um, a, yeah, just a productive conversation that that you're able to to make it through. Yeah, so certainly I couldn't recommend this enough because because it's been so helpful for us. It it was yeah. I think it really put us on the path to to success early on, and highly recommend it. And want to make sure that that other people recognize and take advantage of it as well. So next, how do you find good counseling here? So I, for us, um, we, our counseling session was done through our, through a, a church. It wasn't our church, but it was, it was a church. And so you could check with your church. You could also talk to, to friends and there's other resources. I know Dave Ramsey has a, has a site that has some recommendations. Um, but, uh, I, you know there there are services out there as well to help you find a, a good to find good counselors. So um, check in your area and see see what's available. If this is something that interests you. Yeah, that or also talk to friends. I mean, chances are you've no, you've got friends that have gone to counselors. I feel like counseling is something that you probably want to get a referral if you can talk to someone who's gone to them and can recommend recommend them. Um, a lot of services I like to get referrals, so maybe talk to friends or friends of friends to try to find places you can can look for. All right, so we want you to continue this conversation with your spouse. So talk about this. Um, if you've done counseling, you know, did you guys find it beneficial? Would you recommend it to other people like we do? Um, and how did it really impact change or change your marriage and or your financial situation? So David, Heather. If we hadn't done pre-marriage counseling, what do you think would have been different in our marriage or financial journey? Hmm. Well, I think I think what would have been different would have been uh, in our marriage, at least, would have been we would have gotten off to a much rockier start. I think when I mentioned that that rough first year that a lot of people can have, I think we would have had 
a very rough first year. I think it would have been a bit rocky because a little rocky road, not the not the good kind like the ice cream. That's right. I I feel like our first year was surprisingly smooth. Like everybody told me, "Oh, you got it's going to be a rough first year." And that wasn't our experience at all. I know. I remember being like Marriage is not hard. This it, is really good. It was like What's wrong when, with the honeymoon. Honestly, the honeymoon's never ended, in my opinion. <laughs> I know. I always try to <laughs> act like we're still newlywed. So I, I don't know. I think, I think our marriage would have started with possibly with a lot more resentment, um, more fighting, and just generally less understanding of the other person. You know, I, I know we would have stayed together, but I think. I don't think we would be as would have been as happy or as fulfilled as we have been had we started out on the wrong foot, so to speak. I don't know. What, what's your take on it? So first of all, I don't think you would have made the decision to marry me because clearly you needed to go through a class and do all the homework <laughs> and have me answer all the questions. I'm analytical. So I'm grateful that that helped you get to the right decision. Um, <laughs> No, but I agree. I I think that we would have had a lot more arguments after getting married um, because we would have been discovering things more organically just through life versus, you know, having had discussed them in in counseling. As far as financials go, honestly, I was thinking back, like, I I feel like I didn't really change any of my behavior um, from being single to when we got married, which I think was why we had, like, our fights when, when we were first married were pretty much 100%, 99% about money. And I think it was just because, yeah, we had talked about all this, but we didn't really change our behavior. And it wasn't it wasn't until we did FPU in like 2012, so five years later, is that right? Um, and we really, like I was willing to, okay, let's, this isn't working, what we're doing isn't working, so is there a different way? And we got us our own system in place um, that really helped to resolve that conflict. So um, I would say my advice would be um, not just uh, get aware of your differences, but maybe try to find some solutions, better ways to work things out. Good point. Put an action plan on that. Yeah, instead of just be like, well, that's good to know, but I'm just going to keep doing what I've always done. Right, yes. (laughs) So... Check your ego at the door and be willing to adjust and be willing to work with your spouse and change. And yeah, I know none of us change isn't fun. Nobody wants to change, but if we can, if we can all change a little bit, we're gonna get to the right place eventually. Um, anyway, I mean that that's kind of what this podcast is all about. It's about finding that balance between opposite ends of the spectrum between that spender and that saver and finding that somewhere in the middle that um that you can find some some harmony and i think that's what's really made our marriage uh very successful on the financial side that i think that wraps up our conversation for today remember you can always email us at marriageandmoneypodcast at gmail.com or message us on instagram at marriage.and.money Thank you once again for joining us, and remember that whether you're a spender or a saver, your best financial life lies somewhere in the middle.